Hello, All-Star listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Veterinary Roundtable presented by All-Star Veterinary Clinic, the podcast where we answer your veterinary-related questions while having some fun along the way. We've gained hundreds of new listeners this past these past few episodes, so if you're a new listener, welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice because we finally have some reviews. Woo-woo. Ooh, I know. More than one? Last time I thought we was only it just had one. one Harrison Branch or is it more than one? We have two. We have two. We have two reviews. So, (laughs) yes, keep leaving on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Oh. Spotify, we have 34. Oh. That's exciting. Okay, keep leaving those reviews. We don't know what the reviews say, though, so. Harrison does. He keeps us in the loop. Okay. Um, So, if you have any feedback to offer to improve the veterinary roundtable, let us know. Speaking of reviews, I'd like to read a review we received from one of our lovely listeners. Here it goes. I love learning about the lives of veterinarians. This podcast is so fun and informational. Hello from California. Ooh. At Shepster1692. Sunny California. Jealous. I know, especially <laughs> this time of year in Indiana. Well, we had a mild winter. It's getting there. I really am like on to like, well, now that we're at the end of February, it's really just March. Yeah. And then once we're in March, then it's really just April. <laughs> As a, Don't you like how you that works? Really like <laughs> you just keep going. It's oh. like like you're like we're already February, so it's basically like March. Oh, I see what you're saying. See, you yeah. just get further yeah. like down the line, <laughs> yeah. and then we're back to winter. Again. And then we're back to winter. March is just so freaking long of a month. It's like a yeah. long month. It's because February short, right? Yeah, so, so like Fe- February short, but it feels long. It's the yeah, worst. Yeah, I, I agree January with the weather. It rough. is not good. Yeah, at least it's supposed to be 60-something on Thursday. I know. I'm very excited. We should close down the clinic (laughs) and celebrate the warm weather. (laughs) We don't close down when it's a blizzard, but we will close down down when it's 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 to celebrate spring. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I just saw – this is so random, but I just saw on social media that Spain is the first European country to now allow – menstrual time off for females oh dear god i'm like our clinic would be shut down they are just taking care no of those women over there. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i mean what i don't even yeah that wouldn't even work here oh no yeah we would be screwed <laughs> already with maternity leaves we're yeah, like, i know we're yeah. like, you get a maternity leave <laughs> oh harrison and caleb yeah, running the clinic running the show caleb and harrison oh okay so on today's episode we have a full panel of veterinarians i'm your co-host the one that usually keeps the show rolling dr ashlyn duckwall sitting next to me is all-stars yeah. No. Youngest. Oh, sitting next to me. Don't sit next to King. Typo. Um, is All Star's youngest veterinarian and new puppy mom, Dr. Lauren Schmoke. Can't you see her? Right She's now. here. <laughs> She'll be joining us in a second. Really? She's doing a yeah. surgery. Yeah. We're take, on top of it today. Yeah. The freakishly smart one, Dr. Ashley Dudley, and the head veterinarian of All Star, mother of five boys. And the reason we're all here, Dr. 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 Emily King. <laughs> <laughs> how are you guys doing doing well yeah. yep i'm okay. doing well too great you two pregnant people you feel good sure as, i was walking as, as well as you can as well as a pregnant person can feel as long as yeah. well as your new normal as well as a new normal i was just walking in the hallway and i had to stop because she kicked me so hard <laughs> and courtney was like are you okay i was like yeah she just really aggressively moved <laughs> <laughs> yep they'll she catch time you off out guard. now <laughs> i know they'll catch you off guard yeah 
I told um, Doug Walsh she was trying to run like one Friday ago or whatever, and I was like, "You need to hold your abdomen." Like, tried to run. It's yeah, I was like, "That's not gonna dog. work." And they were like, oh, "I thought you went like for a jog oh, outside." No. <laughs> it was really I was like, your "Hold your abdomen <laughs> really tight and run down the hallway." <laughs> yeah, because I started and I was like, "No, this That's isn't not gonna happen. work." Fast walk. <laughs> With my last one though, I did end up doing CPR eight months I remember pregnant. That. So. I remember that. That was Things a are doable. I mean, you have to use your ab muscles. I, you have none. Adrenaline kicks in. Adrenaline kicks in. Yep. They're all stretched. Yep. 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 Fun stuff. Miracle. Miracle of life. That's okay. right. Absolutely. Icebreakers. Okay. You want to do the first one? Is it pronounced pecan or pecan? <laughs> pecan, without a doubt. Pecan, pecan or pecan? Pecan, pecan pie? It's pecan. Like pecan pie. I don't know if you're in the South, it's probably pecan pie. I think I've went back and forth. I think it just, I'm influenced by everyone else. I think so too, actually. Now, when you just said pecan pie, you're like, this doesn't pecan. sound that no, weird. I say pecan. pecan I say pecan. Pie. Pecan. There's Welcome pecan to the discussion, <laughs> Schmokies. We're really in depth right now. We're talking about <laughs> pecan or pecan. What's your dialect? <laughs> oh, we have to move your mic down. Pecan. 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 I'd like a piece of pecan pie. What Let's just keep say? saying it because it's going to get yeah. weirder and weirder. Pecan. Yeah. Pecan. Pecan sounds too Have you exaggerated. Ever done one of those dialect quizzes so it tells you what portion of the country uh, you're actually supposed to be no. from. No. So yeah, it'll like ask you these questions and you have to select which ones or like what terms you use. So like, is it a sofa? Warsh is it a couch? Wash. Is it oh. Davenport? Like soda or pop? Soda yeah. or pop. Things like that. It asks you all those. And so it'll tell you what region you're from. Oh, that's fascinating. Where it thinks you're from. Yeah. Okay. We might have to do that. So I guess I'd be curious, uh, listeners, a California person, do you say pecan or pecan? Person See, when you said it right there, that sounded pretty good. Pecan? Yeah. Pecan. It's pecan. <laughs> My dad's from California. I'm pretty sure he says pecan. But I don't know if that holds true all the way through. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like it takes too long to say pecan. I know. <laughs> pecan. <laughs> you just say it like that. So you gotta say it like that. You gotta say pecan pie. <laughs> and now we're all gonna want some pecan pie. Yeah. That does sound nice. It's okay. Really good. Number two. If you were a product in a pantry, what would you be? <laughs> This is a Side note, one. this is an interview question here. It is. <laughs> it is? Isn't yeah. That's awesome. It is in the peer interview. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, yeah, that makes apparently, But yes, our staff <laughs> yeah, have been that asked one. that question as they're it gives, yep. It gives you a good perspective of. Yeah. Okay, so what would you say? So mine, I, I switch. It, and I can have different explanations for different things. I'd probably say flour. Okay. You're choosing a pantry item. Because it can be savory. It can be sweet. It can be used. As versatile as needed. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I pick. I didn't think that hard about mine. I said salsa just because I like it. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I was going to say medium like. medium or hot? Uh, I could go between mild and medium. Depends <laughs> on the mood. But I love. I could eat it every day. I could drink it. So Like good. really good salsa. Like homemade. Like Michaela makes salsa homemade salsa mm. oh mm. and you could just it's like just enough sweet like and it's mm. hot and you could just drink it yeah it's so good i'm gonna have to go hit her up for that. yeah <laughs> you gotta go ask her for it it's really good 
Well, I said I was thinking the box of instant mashed potatoes in the corner you forget that's there. And then when you really need something, it comes and saves the day. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. That's really good thing. So then you're like lasting, like you're surviving out of all the things for a you while. You do not perish. Yeah, you do not perish. <laughs> and then you save the day when you're hungry. You just instant mashed potatoes. There you go. Come out of the blue. So I thought hiding in the background, hiding in the background and you just come through there and save the day. Put a smile on someone's face. That's right. I like that. (laughs) That's good. What about you? I was going to say like um, I was going with smoke like um, now I'm having a brain fart. The red sauce that's spicy. Sriracha. Yeah. Because I am spicy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We just got a whole new bottle of that. Yeah, it's really good for so making good. wing sauce. Mm-hmm. That with some teriyaki and some honey, and you put it together with a little bit of sesame oil. Oh, and it makes a great wing sauce. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, nice. it's really really good. We've talked about the sriracha ketchup, right? We have sriracha ketchup. I am not trying that. Our, okay, I need to bring some because um, it's really good. It's like the right mix of the sweet with the ketchup and the spicy sriracha. Yeah, I can't yep. eat sriracha by itself. It's too hot. Just mix it with some ketchup. Yeah, you got to mix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So we need to mention Audible, which I this is the part of the podcast that I dislike the most because I'm not into advertisements. But <laughs> um, so the Veterinary Roundtable has an exciting offer for our listeners. Use the link www.audibletrial.com backslash vet roundtable to try Audible Plus Premium for a 30-day free trial. By using our link, you'll also receive one credit or two credits if you're an Amazon Prime member and access to thousands of titles through the Audible Plus catalog. What else does Audible offer, Duckwall? <laughs> you know what I realized? The last two times I've done this, I say forward slash. <laughs> so hopefully people are typing it Is it forward it slash? Not. No, it's backslash. No, I think you're right. Okay. But when you said that, I looked down at what I'm supposed to say, and I was like, oh, crap. Hopefully people are typing it in right. Backslash. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyways, podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, comedies, originals, and more. One of my favorite books, and Dr. King's, Who Moved My Cheese, is available on Audible and discusses dealing with change in a way that brings more success than stress. That's www.audibletrial.com backslash vet roundtable for a 30-day free trial on to Audible Plus Premium and more. There we have it. That's a lot. Be, 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 be. Can okay. we just get a recording of us saying that and then just play it? Yes. Time? That's what we need to do. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll just hit play. Okay. Okay, so on to case collections. Who wants to go first? Listeners love this. Schmokey, go first. <laughs> have we talked about a rectal prolapse yet on here? Nope. Okay. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. This, I know, it's kind of a weird topic, but uh, this case, Dr. Pulse and I both saw, so we kind of went back and forth with it. Um, She saw it initially, um, but it was an eight-year-old male-neutered chihuahua that came in, um, and the owners didn't really know what it was. It was just bleeding, I think, was the main concern. So this dog, the rectum had prolapsed at least two inches, so for a dog that size, that's a lot. and there was some abnormal tissue there. So Dr. Pulse collected that, sent it out uh, for histopath to try to get a diagnosis. So this can happen for a lot of reasons, but usually secondary to straining. Um, so we were trying to figure out, you know, why the dog was straining to begin with. Ended up coming back as ulcerative colitis, basically. But um, to treat the dog, she, 
you know, clean the tissue as best she could, used some lubricant, replaced it back into the normal position, and then um, this was kind of cool. And I, when I saw the dog, I got to do it as well, but we put a purse string in to keep it, uh, but you have to leave it open enough so the dog can still defecate. So uh, for this size dog, we used a one to three mil syringe, um, and then you put the purse string, basically suture around the rectum, tighten it up um, enough to keep that tissue in there, but allow the dog to still defecate. And so for bigger dogs, you may adjust the syringe size, but um, the dog did well. It was interesting because this worked well short term, but the owners would go outside with the dog and uh, watch it defecate. And if it was straining too much, they picked the dog up to try to stop that behavior. Um, and so that was kind of a cool tip. So um, that went well. The purse string stayed in usually about four to seven days. I think it was about day five we took it out. Um, also did stool softeners and a low residue diet. And then the histopath, when we got those results back, it took probably about five days. So we started a steroid, um, hypoallergenic diet, kept going with the lactulose and reprolapse, unfortunately, and the owners are very cross-conscious. So that was the bummer because every time you have to sedate the dog and it's a whole ordeal and, um, that's when I saw the dog. So put another purse string in, kind of redid everything, kept the medications going. Um, I took it out about day seven. Dog did well for about 10 days. So it went longer the second time. And then it reprolapsed again. So that's when they had to make a decision that, um, you know, either the underlying cause wasn't being treated long enough or we needed to do something different. It was a weekend, so they ended up going to the ER and making a decision. But it was interesting. It was kind of cool to see how you manage that. It was the first time I had seen that. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's a bummer when it flops back out. Yeah. Just hanging all out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise it's like they have to go and get, I mean, part of the rectum taken out, right? Like, do Yeah, they I think they would do a pull through maybe. Pull through. I was reading about the colopexy, which I've never seen done, but they like tack it. We huh. did that, remember? Oh, yeah, we did do that. Yeah. Tack it to the mm-hmm. side to keep it in place. So that could mm-hmm. have been an option maybe right. if it kept happening, but I don't think they were willing to to go that far. Didn't you then hear colonic torsion? Yeah, that, that was case, the colonic yeah. torsion, and then we yeah. tacked it to the side. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. Very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we don't see those very often. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yeah. Good case. Good case. Okay. Well, mine's quick, so I'll go next. Um, it's just a, oh, I think he's a 10-year-old lab mix. Um, he presented for eye redness and discharge, so um, just started the eye exam. And unfortunately, there was this abnormal structure within the anterior chamber of the eye. So um, I guess that's kind of hard to explain what an anterior chamber is. So just the front portion, um, I guess. And it was this just discolored, lobulated, irregular growth. And it was um, distorting the iris too. So it wasn't normal structure at all. Um, And I checked his pressures and thankfully they 
they were high normal. And so that's uh, the other thing I was worried about is, is that causing some secondary glaucoma, which is increased pressures in the eye. Um, he wasn't squinty. He wasn't painful. And the rest of the eyeball itself was actually relatively quiet. So um, unfortunately, seeing that, seeing how it's really messed up the iris and everything, um, it the biggest concern was a growth or a mass. And so it was a Friday. We kept him comfortable through the weekend. He wasn't pawing at it or anything and then referred him to ophthalmologist for Monday. We were able to get him in quickly. She shared the same concerns of um, it's a mass. And with that location and the degree of which it was distorting everything, her first recommendation was a nucleation. And then, so removing the eyeball and then they would test that mass for diagnosis. Um, she did had mentioned in her paperwork, the ophthalmologist did about other ways you can sample the mass, but she said due to how, uh, just significant the change was, she's like, it's probably better. It's probably unfortunately a malignant mass. We're going to need to remove it anyway. So, um, he, that was the last kind of paperwork update I got. And it sounded like the owner was interested in removing the eye. So I'm not sure if that's been done yet. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, once the removal of the eyeball happens, it's, you know, done and stuff, no further treatment, but thankfully dogs do really well with one eye or no eyes. They adapt really well. Yeah, I know it's a big extreme for owners a lot of times, but they do. Okay. So we'll see what it comes back as. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dogs do exceptionally well being blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially the slow. I think they they struggle the most if it's like acute blindness, onset blindness, but the ones that over happen over time. Yeah. They yeah. map out everything. They're so accommodating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Just don't change your house around. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't <laughs> move. Keep it the same. <laughs> but I, I feel like, you know, in comparison to humans, their senses are, you know, shifted. Like they yes, they rely on sight, but the amount that they can rely on touch and yeah. smell and hearing mm-hmm. is far more significant than when we can. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Okay. My case is actually a case that Dudley gave me is the, <laughs> well, how old was he? He's three, three year old golden doodle, right? Yeah. Golden doodle that presented for the owner knew this happened, right? Yes. So the, um, he presented for chewing out the bottom of his owner's under armor shorts underwear. <laughs> and so um, this dog has had previous obstructions and have had surgery before. And so we were concerned as well as the owner that there were adhesions and I think some things like yeah. that historically with the patient. So we, since the owners knew that this had just happened, then the decision was, do we go fetch it out or do we let him go and see how we can do? And originally I think they thought, well, we'll just see how he does. But then they came, they decided to to go ahead and pursue trying to get the underwear or the form material out of the dog. So we ended up doing endoscopy, to try and get the form material out or using the least invasive method. So we ran the scope down there <laughs> and there you could see the underwear <laughs> sitting in the stomach. So we pulled out and it was in three different pieces and we pulled out all three pieces and laid them out and it fit right into the butt that was chewed out. <laughs> yep, so nice. it was really cool. I mean, it was fun. That yeah. was on fun Friday. We called it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we took all those pieces out, got rid of it. And dog went home that day. Didn't have to have surgery. Didn't have it's perfect anything. Yeah. He didn't know any better. Yeah, He got to eat his underwear and <laughs> <laughs> not have anything bad happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thankfully. Not, Thankfully. A, not a whole nother surgery to recover exactly. from. Exactly. Recovery is 
pretty yeah. simple. So, did you see hard boiled eggs in there? Oh yeah, <laughs> there was he lots did of eat eggs. Breakfast that that morning, and so there uh, were so many eggs, <laughs> so many eggs. So, um, but yeah, it came out perfect. It was good. Yeah, it was really cool. It's good you could grip it enough mm-hmm. to. Yeah, sometimes we have some you can, better. Sometimes you can't. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it being material and. Because it was like in a string, I thought we wouldn't have trouble like getting it back out through the, and luckily it was in three pieces. So it wasn't as big of a piece, but wasn't in 20 pieces Yeah, yeah. where it would have taken you an eternity to get it out, you yeah. know? So mm-hmm. it was great. Nice. Yeah. Um, mine, um, I'm only bringing this up because it uh, has some cool treatment and we're actually finally getting maybe somewhere. So uh, older shepherd, probably 10 or 11 year old shepherd has four Oh gosh, I don't know how many years now. It started off as a king. Tell patient. me you're not talking about Tyra Swanson. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking about a uh, dog similar. No, yes. It is, right? So, yeah, oh, so she's my gosh. had chronic skin oh, issues. Yes. Namely around her vulvar yes. lady parts down there. So she gets really ulcerated, very painful. She's mm. seen a dermatologist before for it, and it just never has had resolution. Yeah. And so, you know, we've done things like um, steroids, antibiotics, topical therapy. Um, I, uh, as of, you know, recent, had cultured her, and she came back with a really, probably the most resistant infection I've ever seen. There were no antibiotics that it yes. was sensitive to. Which is really frustrating. It's not uncommon. I mean, we're seeing more and more antibiotic resistance, but it sucks for her. I don't have an oral option Mm -hmm. to give her to try to resolve this and make her comfortable. So we decided that we were going to kind of take a multi-step approach. So we put her back on steroids to kind of cool down the inflammation, itching pain. We added in some topical therapy. We're doing things like bleach sprays and some other um, kind of non-antibiotic type antimicrobial treatments, but then I added fovea into it. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So I was curious to see how it might do for her. So for listeners and everything. So fovea is a newer technology to all of us. Um, it's a photo light therapy. So its goal is it provides antimicrobial relief. It penetrates below the epidermis to provide inflammation relief. And so we don't have to worry about the resistance issue and we may actually get some tissue healing from it too. I've been using it a lot. I'm probably the doctor that likes it the most, but I thought, let's try it in this application. And so I saw her back for a recheck and it was probably the best she's looked in a very long time. She still has infection present on cytology. I'm not anticipating this is ever something that we will be able to prevent, cure otherwise, but at least she's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like that I think is Mm -hmm. the goal is to help her quality of life. We're able to, we're going to try to take her off her steroids now because it's kind of affecting her behavior and then keep her on topicals long-term. But poor little girl, she was so ulcerated um, to the point that tissues being eaten away. Like it, that's how bad it's gotten. And we've now kind of curbed that process. So I was happy with that, but yeah, I've used fovea in, you know, surgical incisions um, to help healing. I've used it for acral lick granulomas now, plenty of dermatitis, my pododermatitis kiddos. Uh, shout out to Bailey's feet that seem to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so. Pulse use it on the dog that had the nail. Yep. And it was one fovea treatment and it settled down. Like it looked as if it had five days, five to seven days had gone by like from, you know what I mean? But it was only 48 hours. She was coming back for the second treatment. 
or he was coming back for the second treatment. And it looked, it went from looking like a mass effect Mm -hmm. on the toe to normal, like the nail being ripped off, like normally and how it would respond and whatnot. I mean, like I'm, I'm as big of a fan. I'm like sold on it. I think it is. Not for every single case, but no, it, it's not some of these where you're like, man, I'm just really struggling. Like I, it helps you know, push it. I feel like it helps push, push them over, over the, the edge. It's, yeah, it's not a sole carrier of things. You're yeah. still going to need antibiotics or topical therapy or other yeah. adjunct traditional medicines. But and I think for the lick granulomas, I think that's yeah. lick granuloma. It is really something that well. yeah we should be using on every single one of them. Although I uh, one of the dogs we were having success with it, we kind of let up on it a little bit, and of course he went right back, back up. to it. So yeah. that's the only frustrating part is it you know it's not a preventative, um, but maybe helps get over that initial hurdle of really challenging cases. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and it's non invasive. The dog just needs to stay still yeah. for two minutes, right? Yeah. So yeah. super easy to use. Mm-hmm. Okay, there was an advertisement for Fovia. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it, but I just no, no, it was no, a cool but it is, yeah, I mean, it's great. especially because you know, like, you're, you know, you're looking for anything yeah. that can optimize yeah. their, you know, your treatment success, right? And so it's, yeah, I think yeah, try it if you haven't tried it, try it. Okay, listener question. Here we go. I know this is very personal, but what is the average salary for each veterinarian at your clinic? Aspiring vet, very curious about everything in the field right now. At Vin Oh gosh, incognolia, incognolia, Sorry, Vin. <laughs> Good question. Fair, yeah, fair yeah. question. I mean, I think some of this depends upon what area of the country you're in. Yeah, what type of practice you're practicing. So, you know, um, I think it's small animal, large animal, exotics, mixed, mixed practice, specialty, specialty. Mm-hmm. So many different things. mobile vet. I mean, yeah. like there could be so many different yeah. aspects. Whether you're a business owner or an employee, I think that's also a factor. But I cert- I think we could probably definitely speak to how veterinarians are paid. Mm-hmm. Well, so as to top, like to add on to that, um, my suggestion for a listener, anyone that's interested in figuring like that out, because we can only speak to what a small animal vet is, right? Right. right. Um, the AVMA, who is yeah. one of our overarching organizations, if you literally type in AVMA salary calculator, they'll come up with a map. You plug in your state, you plug in what year you graduate, you plug in what type of practice you're interested in, do you have a specialty, That's a great resource, yeah. And it literally gives you a range for that, like, specific state, mm-hmm. um, which, as I mean, cost of living will dramatically affect mm-hmm. that. What someone makes in Indiana <laughs> is probably not going to be the same as what someone makes in California. So, yep. um, yeah, that's at least a good jumping off point to kind of know where things average out. And I think it's really important that you're asking that because – that she's asking that because the debt to income ratio when you graduate, mm-hmm. I mean, is really substantial. So yeah. you really want to know what you're getting into. You may have a yeah. love of horses, but dear, dear God, they, uh, they don't, they don't One, make they don't a whole last. lot. And I think I the know. five, I think it's five years right now. I think that's what the average time they stay in. They, they, they stay in the <laughs> equine industry it's, it's, is five years. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a and hard. And a lot of it is because the pay, like yeah. I think in general, I think that I don't know. I don't know if we get compared to like the salary of human doctors, but we definitely aren't anywhere close to that. So I think that's another thing to consider. Like it's definitely not the same type of payout as it would be with medical field, human medical field. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a misconception. I don't know. 
I know that we get a lot of bad reps about how we just do it for money when ironically we don't get paid <laughs> that like uh like a human doctor or anything but um I think there's also things to consider like starting off salary versus what's your goal to work up to is it to be a business owner mm-hmm. um and then of course you have your pro sal so you have your space We'll go salary. backwards and tell them about how veterinarians are paid in general Meaning like the the three types of structures that you can be paid and, and like you're, you're a producer. Right. Yeah. So like, I think that's kind of, I think maybe like a lot of people don't even know that, like that your revenue, your pay is based upon you producing. Yeah. So basically, yeah. yeah, You know, you can be salaried. There are certainly vets that do that. You can be considered pro sale or you can be purely uh, production pay. But to your point, like, that's where it's hard to like nail down exactly. That's why they give so such big ranges because mm-hmm. it's what you put into it. The more hours I work, the more you earn. And so, you know, you kind of have to balance that too. The more appointments I can see in a short amount of time frame, that also affects it. So yeah, the harder you work, the more you'd end up making. It could be limitless. I was seeing some veterinarians pulling some really large figures, but they're working well over 60 hours a week and mm-hmm. grinding all day of trying to see as many patients as physically possible to make yeah what they are yeah 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 i think it's i mean i don't i kind of remember from school um i don't know if you can speak more to it but they also educate you in school of cuz they get feedback from alumni and so then that taking into account of where just inflation is, cost of living and everything. I think they like would give recommendations on where you should be looking, right? Or like a basic Yeah, I recommendation. think it just reached 100K maybe yeah. as like an average, but that's probably across the board. I don't know if that's just Indiana. Sure. Um, but I don't think any one of us went into this job for the money. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a passion job. I mean... As for me, I always wanted to do this. And so you want to make a living to support yourself, but it is different than the other medical fields. So you do have to weigh, you know, the debt like you were talking about and, and where you want to live and how you want to live. And um, for a, on the youngest, so the, my first year out, I was just salary. And I know that's something that we do here. Um, so you don't have that added pressure or that added component of needing to see you know more patients it's more about your first year out of school just learning the most you can and doing the best medicine you can and I think that was super helpful and then I wanted to go to ProCell starting year two just to kind of get it doesn't really change the way we practice medicine I don't feel like you know we're still giving all the options to owners no matter what and um, giving the best recommendation, but it does, you know, it's a little bit of an incentive to see, you mm-hmm. know, more patients and to to be as efficient as you can. But it helps us as well as it helps people too because they need to. It's be a win win. It's a win win yeah. for everyone. So um, it's a nice option for me. But I think there are doctors here that do different options that works best for them. So mm-hmm. kind of depends on the person. Yeah, and I think then also the th- another thing to consider is how the practice r- is run that you work for. Mm-hmm. So it can be really hard to 
make a decent income if your average client transactions are really low because the area that you live in or the type of practice that they they run, you know, and so I think that also plays into it. So then you got to see three times as many clients as somebody else. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, you see those struggles. Now, sometimes that's easier than the kind of medicine that we practice here, you know, so it, it just really depends on yeah. the person and their personality and what motivates them. And mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. I still remember, I've been out now for a little while. So, but going back to when I graduated interviewing places and getting job offers and uh, one of the places I interviewed is not that far from here. It's a little bit of a different side of town, but not that far from here. And offered me well less than what an average starting salary would be, more like what an equine vet would make versus here, it was like two and a half times what they offered me at that clinic. It's amazing. They were not that far away, but to your point of how a practice is run, mm-hmm. like their difference there, you know, you're still seeing the same amount of appointments and seeing all this other stuff, but yeah, just kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think it all has to be then management wise too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it all just comes full circle. Like here, all star, our core values are being accommodating, like just, um, I don't know, like just that thought of taking time and making people feel heard and like they matter and their animal are, they are important to us as well. And so in turn, that takes more time to get through an appointment, but that in turn, then you have that, that value that you're representing. And, um, we also, always say yes. So then that also comes around in turn of like, okay, well, when you have a practice run like that, you have the liberty to maybe be able to offer more or different uh, benefits to your vets too, I think. So I think that's also, I mean, just what we're saying, how the practice is run and stuff. So the quality of medicine, the tools we have here, everything. Are we just vaccinating animals or are we having Mm -hmm. to do full medicine workups? There's a big difference there in terms of our time and everything too. So so do research, do interviews, ask all the questions, like make sure you're comfortable with it. I don't know everything about your interview process and before yeah. you make the decision because you don't know what it's going to be like until you're in it. It's just kind of how it is. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And that's all we have to offer, right? <laughs> well, I guess I the mean, only thing you, we could then add to that is you mentioned being a business owner and you're the only one with that mm. perspective. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what would you have to say about being a business owner and what opportunity that opens up? I mean, I think being a business owner is just a whole nother. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, I think that I think I think. For me, the old, I mean, I'm a person who wants to continually chase something. So when I was in practice and just practicing as a veterinarian, associate veterinarian in a practice, um, by year three, I was bored. Like I, not with the learning of veterinary medicine, but like, this is what I'm going to do forever. And so then I needed something to go after so like as part of veterinary medicine, I need something to be chasing, you know, whether it be, you know, the number at the end of the month or the being thought of as the best clinic in the area or we have the best work environment or we have that, you know, like there's always something chasing something. And so I think that was 
what was missing. And so that's why then, because I never, I was never going to own a business like a veterinary clinic. Uh uh-uh. My dad asked me about it. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and then, you know, look at it now. So yeah. I think it just really depends on the person's personality and what they're, what they're going to do. And I think for our circumstances as a family, when our second son was born and had difficulties, then we had to decide who was going to stay home. And so then we, that was strictly a numbers decision. And so then I was making more money. So then I started working. Then once we did that, we were like, uh, why aren't we owning a business? Because he has a law degree and an MBA. And it's like, why aren't we doing this for ourselves? <laughs> and so then that just led to that. Mm-hmm. And so it was like all those factors that played into it. So it's I think a personal decision yeah, to own a business for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It was great. Mm-hmm. All of it, every single bit of it. <laughs> Even the times I cried when the banker said, "You're never going to make it," and I was like, "I can't, I can't, I can't make it." <laughs> you throw up the finger and say, "Watch me." That's right, exactly. Or my boss, my original boss, who I said, he said, "I might have told you guys this." He was like, "You're having entrepreneur. You're having an entrepreneurial brain fart," and I was like, "Oh no, you should never, never <laughs> tell me I can't do something." Mm-hmm. So and here we are, and here we are, mm-hmm. on a podcast. Thanks to all you guys working hard, <laughs> living the dream, filling living out the, the mission. Yep. So yeah, I think there's definitely opportunities for business ownership. I think the industry is going a lot of like our clinic sold, you know, to a corporation, SVP as a corporation, um, and I think that's a, a, a trend that's happening in veterinary medicine. Um, I think there's good places and bad places. I think there's pros and cons. I still think there's a place for the independent owner mm-hmm. out there. I really yeah. do. You know, I think that there's a place for that person. And there's also, you know, opportunities for people to partner with corporations and do it yourself too. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different avenues to scratch that itch. If that's, if somebody's interested yeah, in that. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. More than you wanted to know about. <laughs> Good information there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Veterinary Roundtable. Remember to send in those questions and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at All Star Veterinary Clinic. If you enjoyed this episode or a previous episode, leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice. We'll see you in a few weeks for the next episode of the Veterinary Roundtable. All right, see you next time. See you.